Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. What's up, and welcome back to the podcast. Very happy to be back with you. It's actually been a week since the last episode as I was traveling, and I just got back from Grand Prairie, Texas, where I had a weekend of meetings there, and they went great. Uh, People of God were there, people were receiving, people were getting saved, touched by the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was able to pray for the sick and pray for people that were believing for miracles. And it's awesome to see that as I travel more places, everyone's not the same. You know, not every place is in fear. Not every place is wanting to, you know, shut down their church buildings and not gather for services. But people... Not only are they having Sunday morning services, but they're opening up their building for, you know, and a traveling evangelist to come and do special meetings. And so it's been a great encouragement to see that not everyone is operating from fear and not everyone is, you know, shutting everything down, that some people are actually opening up their building more. And so that was awesome to see. And it was a great weekend. And then I had the opportunity to travel to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where my cousin, Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth was holding a week of meetings, and it was awesome just to sit in the services and and watch someone who's doing something I want to do, obviously at a much, much higher level, and receiving those meetings, and it was just a fun time. And so, anyways, that's where I was, and that's why there was no new episode last week, but I'm very happy to be back with you this week and want to keep you updated with what's going on. So, there's a youth camp that I'll be attending this weekend, and I'll be speaking one of the days, and then after the youth camp, um, going to Vermont to do uh, some services there and do some things there, and so looking forward to that. God's been good to open doors even during this time, and I'm excited. But today, I want to get into a topic that might be controversial, might be um, offensive to some people, but it's biblical. And f- before I get into the topic and the episode today, I just want to clarify that I am not an angry person. I am not someone that their preaching is just rebuking and harsh and comes from an angry place or a bitter place. I want you to know I am not bitter. I don't hold anything against anybody. But when it comes to the Word of God, and when it comes to things that you have to stand for as a Christian, and especially me, someone who is aspiring to be a minister and is traveling to preach and things like that, there comes a point when people in the body of Christ have gone too far when it comes to this year and the things that people have done this year and the decisions they've made this year. And so this episode... Again, might be controversial, might be offensive to some people, but I felt in my spirit because, you know, I, I was literally trying to get anything else to talk about for today's today's episode. If the Lord spoke to me to preach about the fruits of the Spirit or or peace or something like that, I would have done it. But nothing else would ring like this message was ringing in my spirit to preach about. 
And I understand now, as I've done these more often and I've had you know a steady preaching schedule and speaking opportunities, that your most powerful messages come when you preach the thing that's on your spirit at that moment. And I know that if I waited, you know, a month or two to do this kind of episode, the unction and the urgency to preach this kind of message would leave me. And that's why I decided to do it today. And I want to clarify to you before I get into it, that if I offend you today, I will apologize in advance. And I'm not going to apologize for what I'm going to actually say, but I want to apologize to your feelings and your soul or your emotions if this does offend you. And I know this won't offend most of my listeners because most people that listen to me agree with me. But if there's someone that saw the, my title of this episode on Instagram and thought, you know, that that title aggravates me and so I'm going to go on there and listen to him and if he gets one word wrong that in the Greek or the original Hebrew, I'm going to write him a long thing and disagree. And that's fine. You know, there will always be those kinds of people. But I just want to clarify, before we get into today's episode, I am not against anybody. I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everybody to do well in their ministry and in their life. But there comes a point as a minister and as a preacher of the gospel where you have to stand up and declare what you know to be true from the Word of God. And that's why today's episode, I entitled it, How to Lose the Anointing in One Year. How to Lose the Anointing. And the reason I entitled the episode, How to Lose the Anointing in One Year, is that I've seen personally ministries that I used to perceive as great, used to perceive as world-changing, used to perceive as ministries that were really doing stuff and you know, that kind of thing. But then this year has proved to me, you know, it's kind of like if you went into a dark room and you flipped on the light and before you flipped on the light, you didn't see anything that was in the room. But as soon as you turned the light switch on, you saw cockroaches and all the, all that kind of nasty things on the ground because you turned on the light and were able to see the things that were in this room. That's what this year has been in the body of Christ, that a lot of ministries were able to camouflage and be chameleons when everything was going good. But as soon as an obstacle and an issue arose from the world, they bowed and they backtracked and they gave up on the message of faith. I was talking to a friend of mine and I said to them, I said, it's very easy to preach the faith message in a moment in time that requires no faith. It's very easy to preach healing when you don't actually need healing in your body. It's much easier to preach healing when you aren't diagnosed with cancer or you don't have an issue that actually stands in the face of a doctrine and something from the Word of God that you know to be true. But that's the time where your faith should be the strongest. And if that faith and what the God's Word said is really in you, then it's during those kind of times where you actually are able to see the strength of what you believe. But a lot of people during this time have backtracked on what God you know, says in his word and everything that they preached before, that in January and February when they were preaching, you know, this church will never shut down. You know, they get in the anointing, they get under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and they say things that are good or that are on point. But as soon as the service is over, as soon as they get out of the spirit, as soon as they sit down after their board members and consult their, you know, whoever it is that gets in their ear and sows, you know, thoughts of doubt and all of these things, whoever's sending them, 
you know, the WHO health reports and the CDC uh, infection numbers, whatever it is that's getting in their ear, whatever thought and lie from the devil that someone is getting into their spirit, as soon as that happens, they backtrack on all the things that they believe in. But I don't want that to be your story. I want you to be someone who during this time stands up and is the strongest that you've ever been, that this year will not be a year where you'll post things on social media. Like like something that aggravates me is people will post things about how horrible 2020 has been and how they can't wait for 2021. Let me tell you something. God knew that 2020 was going to be on the calendar. God didn't have it in his schedule and timing that it went from 2019 to 2021. God knew exactly what was going to happen this year. God wasn't taken off guard. God is knows the beginning from the end. God is still on the throne. God knew exactly how this year would play out. You think God's plan for you was to go backward and experience defeat and have the worst year you've ever had? No. But when people come against a, a, a problem in the natural, they always allow that natural circumstance and obstacle to steal the word of God from their heart and damage their faith. But that's the reason why I'm on here today talking about this subject, because a lot of churches, hear me, made the decision to grieve the Holy Spirit by listening to the counsel of man and the wisdom of the world instead of the word of God and the wisdom of God. And that will not be your story in Jesus' name. And once again, I'm not coming at this subject and topic from a bitter point of view or that, you know, no one's on fire anymore and this generation is the most sinful it's ever been and the world's heading for destruction. You know, I'm not coming at it from that negative, um, apathetic point of view. I'm coming at it from the point of view that when you hear a message like this, your faith comes alive to the point where you can overcome the world. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, that faith is the victory that has overcome the world. And it's easy to understand why then the devil wants to steal faith from your heart and from your spirit, because he understands that principle and that verse and that uh, doctrine more than most Christians do. That Christians don't understand where the victory that overcomes the world comes from. Where does it come from? It's your faith. And so because the devil understands that better than most Christians do, they don't guard their faith, but they allow the devil to steal their faith by natural circumstance and by what they see. And understand that the enemy of faith is not fear, though fear is how it manifests many times, but the enemy of faith is your sight. Because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say we walk by faith and not by fear. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That means we don't operate and live our lives based on what we see in the natural, based on what we see in circumstance or what the you know, the report from the doctor is or what the report from uh, a news source is or what a politician decrees or even the president, whatever it might be in the natural, our, the way we live our life is not based on that, but it's based on faith. And where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so how we live our life comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from any other source. It doesn't come from any other method, but it comes from the word of God. And so that's why I'm on here today. That's why I'm here preaching this message to you today, because I don't want you to lose your anointing. I don't want you to grieve the Holy Ghost because you're making decisions from a worldly uh, 
point of view and from a worldly standpoint, and you do it to the point where you grieve the Holy Ghost, where the unction to do things for God leaves you, and no longer does the Spirit of God dwell with you and strive with you, because that's the only way we'll see a difference in our generation, and that's the only way an end-time harvest of souls and the greatest revival the world has ever seen will take place. You have to operate by the Holy Ghost, and if you live a life, and if you make decisions, like a lot of churches have this year, to turn from what God said to do and then make decisions based on what your board members say, based on what your congregation wants to do, and instead of listening to the voice of God and the leading of the Holy Ghost, you backtrack and you listen to the voice of man and the wisdom of men, and because of you listening to that decision, you lose the anointing that was placed upon your life. And a lot of people, maybe you're listening to this right now, and you're saying, oh, that's not biblical. I want to show you how it's biblical, because I want to show you from the life of King Saul how you can lose the anointing and how you can damage your purpose and how you can offend God to the point where he no longer empowers you to do the thing you're called to do. And I want to show you this in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'm going to read quite a few verses because there's a lot of revelation to be found in the story that's found in 1 Samuel 15. So let's read it in verse 1. The Bible says this, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. I'm going to keep reading, but I want to pause there for one moment because I want you to notice what Samuel said to King Saul. He said, the Lord, the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over Israel. First thing that people forget and the reason why they lose the anointing is because they forget who anointed them in the first place. The Lord sent the prophet Samuel to anoint Saul. Saul didn't anoint himself. Saul didn't choose himself. He was chosen by the people of Israel to be king because he was tall, because he was a good fighter, and he was perceived to be someone that would be a good leader over the people. And so the people chose him because they wanted a king. And so God obliged and he sent the prophet Samuel to anoint him. And the Bible says that uh, Saul was anointed, that even when the spirit would come upon Saul, he would prophesy among the prophets. So understand that Saul at one point in time was anointed, that he did carry the anointing of God to do what he was called to do. And that anointing came from God, that God anointed Saul, not Saul anointed himself, not he did it himself, not that he, you know, went to a seminary for eight years and got a doctorate in theology. And because of that, you know, he was anointed not because he built a mega church, not because of anything he did, but the Lord anointed Saul through the hands of the prophet Samuel. Understand that as we go to verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel, 
when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Understand? He didn't do what God said because the king Agag of the Amalekites is still alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction." So pause there. You understand that the word of the Lord to Samuel to tell Saul was to take the Amalekites, the king, the children, the women, the men, the lamb, the sheep, everything from the oxes to the doves, everything that was in that camp to kill it and leave nothing alive. That was the word. And when Saul came and had victory over the Amalekites and King Agak. He killed all of the things that he thought were worthless and needed to be destroyed, but the good things, the best of the cattle and the sheep and the lambs and the king he kept alive. So that was disobedience to what the Lord had spoken. Verse 10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Here's another reason how you can lose the anointing. This is a huge one of how people grieve God and lose the power of the Holy Ghost upon their life and ministry. They reject the word of the Lord. There are many times in your life where God will give you a specific instruction. And you don't even have to go into specifics. You can just go this year to Mark 16, 15. You can go to the Great Commission that the Lord has a command for us to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, to see the blind recover their sight, to see lame people walk, to see deaf people have their ears opened. There's a command from the Lord to do that from the Bible. And this year, people have refused to obey the word of the Lord and have instead listened to the reasonings and the wisdom of men to shut down their assemblies, to lock the church doors, and to hide in their houses and have online services. And because of that decision, the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. As you make the decision to obey man over obeying God, you lose the power to perform the work of your ministry. Look at the life of Saul, that he didn't listen to the word of the Lord of Samuel that came from the Lord. He left alive the things that he saw were good. He reasoned in his own mind, just like has happened this year with a lot of ministries. He reasoned in his own mind what he thought to be good, and he embraced the things that he thought to be good from the world. He embraced the world and what the world sought as good and refused to obey the voice of the Lord. And let's see what happens to him because of that. Verse 10, I regret, excuse me, verse 11, I regret, this is the Lord speaking to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. I'll pause there. Here's something that people that are actually in the will of God and 
prophets particularly, they get angry when they receive the word from the Lord that people have turned from what they're actually called to do. So you can't tell me that, oh, you know, you making this episode is just very... Um, comes from a bitter place and it's not of God. Oh, it's not of God. So you're telling me that the prophet Samuel was out of the will of God in first Samuel 15 when he was angry, when he found out Saul rejected the word of the Lord and didn't do what he was commanded to do. Oh, so that was unscriptural Was Samuel in his flesh in first Samuel 15. Okay. You know, people aren't very bright. People don't even understand the Bible, that there should be a righteous indignation. There should be a righteous anger in your spirit when you see around you that people have rejected the word of the Lord and have sought the wisdom of man to do what they think is good to do. That is exactly what's depicted in 1 Samuel 15, that there's a king, Saul, who thinks he knows the way to go about things, that thinks he's very bright and intelligent, and that he can listen to the voice of his men, the wisdom of the world, and reject the word of the Lord, and that they will make no difference. That, you know, if I obey 50% of what God said, I'll be okay. If I obey 80% of what the Lord told me to do, it'll be okay. No, it will not. You have to have complete obedience. If there's partial obedience, you're disobedient. You can't live your life in a way, okay, well, I'm going to do when it comes to the Great Commission, I'll lay hands on the sick, but I'm not going to preach the gospel to every living creature. You know, I'll lay hands for the blind to receive their sight. But when it comes to the lame receiving their ability to walk again, that's where I cross the line and that's where I'm out. No, you either embrace it all or you embrace none of it. You either are, have two feet in or you're all the way out. God's not going to strive with people that are half in and half out. And that's exactly what the seeker-friendly church has become. That's exactly what the modern church has become. They've become a lukewarm church that has one foot in the world and one foot in the church. But as soon as you make that decision to embrace parts of the world and then also embrace, you know, the Bible and the word of the Lord, those things will never mix. The Bible says, what relationship does... Belial have with the Lord? What relationship does light have with darkness? They cannot have any relationship because either you will serve one or serve the other. You can't serve two masters. That's unbiblical because either you'll love one or hate the other. You can't have this gray area Christianity where you stand on the line and you're playing for both teams. But that's exactly what Saul does in 1 Samuel 15, and that's exactly what the modern church has done in 2020. They've made a decision that it's okay to put our church logo on our mask. It's okay to socially distance because it's what the CDC wants us to do. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the house of God because either one will reject you or one will love you. You can't do both. You can't have the world love you and have the have God be approved of what you're doing and how you're operating in your ministry. You have to make a decision that I would rather obey God than the authority of man. The early church had to do it when they were commanded not to preach in the name of Christ, that they were beaten with rods, that they were crucified, that they were stoned, that they were burned to death. All of the things that the early church had to go to go through, the persecution that occurred in the early church can't even compare to what's going on today. And yet the church 
because it's embraced this weak Western Christianity that carries no power. Because they embrace that, when things like this happen, when a year like 2020 happens, when the government comes knocking, they bow, even though they try to preach about the Hebrew children and the fiery furnace. They are no longer going to have any anointing when they preach on Daniel in the lion's den or Mordecai or Peter in Acts chapter 5. You no longer have a right to preach about the authority of the believer. You no longer have a right to preach about, you know, we're not going to bat, we're not going to bow, we're not going to burn. You have no right anymore to preach that kind of thing because and when a time came when your giant actually was out in the valley, when the fiery furnace was actually burning hot, when the lion's den was actually roaring loud, you bowed, you shut your mouth, and you shut the church, the church, and you gave in to what the devil and the antichrist agenda that's happening in the world right now wanted to do. You're not a world changer. You're exactly like the world. You're not a world changer. You're exactly like the world. You can't change the world if you are the world. The Bible says, come out from among them, and then I will receive you, and then you will be called my holy people. There's a separation between Egypt and Israel. And as long as you embrace the traditions of Israel, as long as you look like an Egyptian, as long as you talk like an Egyptian, you will never experience the blessing of being a child of God and having the covenant of Abraham through the blood of Christ Jesus. Never. I said never. You cannot have one foot in and one foot out. You can't be like King Saul and destroy all the things that you think are bad and then keep alive the things that you think are good. If God said destroy it all, if God said completely separate, I'm completely separating. I'm not going to go halfway in and have half of myself out. I'm going all the way in or I'm going all the way into the world. Just make a decision at this point. If you want to live for the world, go live for the world. Because you serve no purpose to the church and you serve no purpose to the world. And I take that back. You do serve a purpose to the world. Because you're exactly what the devil wants to show to people that are in the world. A weak Western Christianity that carries no power and cannot change one single thing. You're exactly what the devil wants you to be. Let's keep reading. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. Verse 12. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. <sighs> How do you lose the anointing? Here's another thing. If you take notes, you make it about you. Your ministry, everything that you set your hand to do, you make it about you. Can you believe the nerve of King Saul? That after he disobeys the word of the Lord that was spoken to him by the prophet Samuel, as he's passing on and going to do the next thing, he erects a monument not to bless God, not to sacrifice to God, but for himself. If that's not a reason and a, and a way that people lose the anointing, I don't know what is. Pride. And let me tell you something. Pride has had a huge part to play with how the modern 
seeker-friendly church has operated this year. Pride. Wanting to be accepted by everybody. Wanting to be liked by everybody. Wanting, you know, the secular rappers and the secular athletes to keep following your Instagram and keep, you know, whatever. People just want to be liked. And I don't understand it. People in the church, pastors, you know, they wear the beanies and they wear the v-necks and they wear the glasses without the frames and the lenses and they wear toms and skinny jeans and they just want to look exactly like the world. You know, turn the lights off in the sanctuary. Let's let's appeal to people that are coming from a club world and let's make the church just look like the world so people feel more comfortable. And You know, there should be a point where the church looks like the church, where a pastor looks like a pastor. I don't understand where this whole movement came that the church has to be like the world to reach the world and, you know... If you want to reach people that are alcoholics, you got to go to the bars and just share a beer with them and share Christ with them over a beer. What in the world? Where are people getting their doctrine from? That's how you lose the power of God. That's how you grieve the spirit. That's how you lose the anointing. By looking at the world and seeing there's something I want from it. There's something I want to take from the world and apply it to my own life. That's exactly what Saul does. He makes it about himself. It's all about pride. It's all about erecting your own monument and making everything about you. Look at how many people I'm reaching. Look at how many people are liking my sermon clip where I gave five points to a cleaner kitchen and five points to a better marriage. Listen, get back to the doctrine of the Great Commission. Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Let me tell you something. These guys aren't raising the dead. They don't even minister to people. They go to places. They preach conferences. They don't even pray for the sick. They give their little 45-minute sermon that they've preached 17 times, and they collect a check and go home. They don't care about people. They don't spend hours and hours like Oral Roberts did or Lester Sumrall did praying for the sick or R.W. Schambach laying hands on every single person with oil. They could give a rip about you. They are just influencers. They are just people that have a message that scratches the itching ear and satisfies the soul. And the reason they have big crowds is because their message has no conviction. It requires no sacrifice. It requires nothing of the hearer. They can just listen to it, feel good, eat their dessert for their spirit, and then go home and watch the football game because they're home by one o'clock and they won't miss kickoff. They have no power to do anything, anything, They are weak. Christianity has become a watered-down, lukewarm nothing because people are half in and half out. People make everything about themselves. People just want people to like them. They just want a big crowd and a big building, but you're just building empires of dirt. You're building nothing. You're building a house of cards. The wind will blow, and I don't care how big that house of cards is, bro. The thing's going to fall down, and great shall be the fall of the house because the Lord did not build it. That's what's happening. How to lose the anointing? First, you forget who anointed you. Second, you reject the word of the Lord. Third, you operate by the wisdom of man. Four, you make it about yourself, and you let pride set into your spirit. Exactly what Saul did in 1 Samuel 15. 
He forgot who anointed him in the first place. He rejected the word of the Lord that came from the prophet Samuel. He listened to his men to keep the things that he thought were good alive. And he made it all about himself because he established and made a monument to himself. Never made it about God. And then he's going to lie. I'll show you. He's going to lie to the prophet about why he kept the things alive and didn't do what the word of the Lord said to do. Verse 12, and Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Ugh. Verse 14, and Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep I hear in my ear and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. Uh-oh. Verse 17. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God, in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you as king. How do you lose the anointing? How do you lose the anointing in one year? How do you go from being an anointed on fire church to a lifeless, dead pile of bones? You reject the word of the Lord. I wish I knew, and maybe we'll never know, but I, I wish I knew what percentage of pastors that closed down their churches and made their people wear masks and all this stuff. I wonder what percentage of them actually heard from the Lord to close down their church. Like sincerely heard the word of the Lord God, Jehovah, 
speak to them to shut down their church and close down and put all this stuff in place. I wonder how many of them actually received a word from God to do so. Because I've looked through the Bible, I've gone from Genesis to Revelation, and I don't understand how that would ever be in the nature and character of God to do so. And so, if you do something outside of the instruction of the Lord, then you're in sin. You're not doing what God wanted you to do. God's not pleased. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not difficult, not hard, not you have to try really hard to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. So you're telling me the decisions that people made this year to do what they did came from a standpoint of faith? Or did it come from a standpoint of what they saw with their natural eye and the fear that set in the to their heart and them listening to the voice of man and the wisdom of the earth? Because that's where those decisions came from. Didn't come from God. Didn't come from the Holy Ghost. Came from the WHO. Came from Pastor Anthony Fauci. <laughs> Didn't come from God. It's not in the Bible. Oh, but God's pleased. Oh, is he? Bible says, Romans 14, 23, that anything done outside of faith is sin. And the wages of sin are death. It's not that big a deal, bro. Oh, it's not? I'm sure you were the guy that when this stuff was first going on in the first two weeks, you know, bro, just two weeks to stop the spread. That's it, bro. We're in October. It's October. And we're still talking about this stuff. Oh, it didn't matter, bro. Oh, it didn't? You're the genius who has the blood of many people on your hands. There's many statistics that you can read about that I believe about 60% of people that had to go to online services never logged on to listen to their church one time. 60%. Oh, it didn't matter, bro. We just got to do Romans. Romans 13, bro. You don't know the Bible and you're not anointed. You carry no power to do anything. <sighs> you rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected you as king. Your authority has been taken from you because you didn't understand that your authority came from God. And because you rejected his word, he rejected you. He anointed you as king. You didn't anoint yourself, bro. He anointed you. The Lord God anointed you, and you threw it away to be liked by people that could give a rip about you. Mistake. Big mistake. God's not pleased. I don't understand it. I don't, I'm not even preaching to people in the world. I understand why they did what they did. I understand why they made the decisions that they made, but I am baffled and grieved in my spirit at the decisions that full gospel ministries made during this year. How to lose the anointing. You forget who anointed you. You reject the word of the Lord. You operate by the wisdom of men instead of the wisdom of God, and you fall into the trap of pride to be liked by people that are in the world. How to lose the anointing in one year. Brought to you 
by the seeker-friendly church and the life of King Saul. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. I want to show you another story from the Bible and another story of someone who lost the anointing that was upon their life and give you some more reasons and how to lose this anointing. Judges chapter 16, let's look at the life of Samson. Samson. Judges chapter 16, verse 1. Samson went to Gaza, Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. He saw with his eyes a prostitute, a woman of the world. Samuel went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. And he went into her, and the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took a hold of the doors of the gate of the city. See, he's still anointed here took a hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and he pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies. So notice, when they saw that he had an attraction to prostitutes because the, the woman that's mentioned in verse 1 is not Delilah. It's a different prostitute. But when they saw that Samson had a weakness of sin with prostitutes, they used it as the weapon to steal his strength. I want you to see that before I get into my points about how to lose the anointing from the life of Samson. So verse 5, The lords of the Philistines came up to her, Delilah, and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and how you might be bound, that one might subdue you. So I could read the rest of the story, but to paraphrase, because most people know the story, they go through this process where it's like three different times, where Samson, when he's, he's asked the question by Delilah of how he gets his strength and what would happen, uh, how to lose his strength, and he lies to Delilah two times, and he gives her false reasons. And so after he gives her the wrong reason of how he gets his strength and how he could lose it, when they come to kill him, he kills them instead. And then Delilah asks him again. He kills the people uh, when the, he lies again and they try to kill him again, he kills them. And then finally, he tells her the real reason that if they cut, if she would cut his hair, he would lose his strength. And when he gave in and was seduced by Delilah to give up the secret of his anointing and power and strength in the Lord, he lost his strength. And when they came in to kill him, the Philistines, they were able to subdue him and they gouged, gouged out his eyes. And so... Here's a reason and how to lose the anointing from the life of Samson. You fall in love with the world. You fall in love with the world and the pleasures of the world. 
the Bible says Samuel had an or Samson, excuse me, had a problem and he had an issue. He was attracted to prostitutes. He was attracted to women of the world, unclean women, women that didn't love him, women that, you know, he would pay to have sex with. These women weren't godly women. It wasn't in the will of God for Samson to be in this place, but because his enemies saw his weakness, they used it to steal his strength. And the Bible says Samson fell and was seduced by Delilah, and he gave up his secret, and he lost his strength, and he was subdued by his enemies, and they gouged out his eyes. They took his sight from him because he fell in love with the world. It's a very serious thing when you quench the spirit. And understand this from the life of Samson, because he did this over and over and over again. He had multiple chances during this story to get out of Delilah's hands and her seducing ways and run as fast as he could somewhere else. But instead of doing that, he kept going back to his sin. He kept returning to his vomit. He kept going and seeing Delilah over and over again, even though he knew. It's a crazy story, isn't it? Because I'm thinking, if I was Samson, the first time that happened to me and I woke up out of a dead sleep and there was like five dudes running into the sword to like subdue me and kill me, I would be out of there in a flash. I would have the strength. I would take him out. But I'm not going to go back to Delilah to be seduced and lied to and try to have my strength stolen from me. But Samson, for whatever reason, wasn't so bright or maybe the issue he had with women was really, really bad. And he kept going back to Delilah because he fell in love with the pleasures of the world. He fell in love with this woman who was a wicked woman. And because of that, he lost his strength and he lost his anointing. The fourth reason, another reason how you can lose the anointing, how you can lose the anointing in one year is you fall in love with the pleasures of the world. This year, you've been able to see more than ever that the church is in love with the things of the world. They, like I talked about earlier, they've tried to make the sanctuary in the church look like the world. They've loosened on the dress code that no longer is it a suit and tie thing, but now you can come in. It's casual, bro. Just wear your flip-flops, wear our graphic tee, wear our church merch, and you'll be fine, bro. It's not about, you know, the outward appearance. It's not, I understand it's not about the outward appearance, but come on, man. Have respect for the house of God. Are you telling me that that's been a good thing for the church or a bad thing now that you've seen what's been going on? I remember in Bible school, I would be like the only person in my class that would wear a suit and tie to my classes, and, or not to my classes, but to the services. And you think it'd be the opposite, that I would be good and then everyone else would kind of feel underdressed. But people would say all things all the time like, man, like you really care about Sunday. I mean, you really are come out in your best. Yeah, I do. Because I have respect for the house of the Lord, and it's an honorable place. It's not a place I come in to give God, you know, my 20% and not care at all. I come to give God my best in every single way. But people have fallen in love with the world. How can we appeal to people? How can we um, reach people? Let's become like them so we can reach them. That's not the Bible. You separate and you become holy and the more you become like God, the more people will be attracted to you. 
if the if the Lord shall be lifted up, he shall draw all men unto himself. You don't exalt the Lord by being like the world. You exalt the Lord by being holy and pushing him, by declaring his word and living by his word. Not falling in love with the world and being like the world. You're separate and you're different. And Samson made the mistake is that he quenched the spirit of God because he kept going back to the issue, kept going back into his sin, kept going back into the bad habits, and eventually the spirit of the God could no longer dwell with them. He gave up his secret, and what did they do? They gouged out his eyes. They stole his vision. One thing that's happened to a lot of churches this year is they're blinded to see even the decisions they've made concerning this year. They think they're in the will of God, man. They have no idea how far they've fallen. They have no idea how outside of the Bible they've gotten. They have no idea how much they've grieved God's spirit because they've done it over and over again where they've seared their spiritual conscience and they've blinded themselves just like Samson was blinded. They've gouged out their spiritual eyes to even perceive and see the mistake they made by quenching the spirit of the living God. God's spirit will not always strive with man. It's the greatest sin you can, you can commit, blaspheming the Holy Ghost, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happened this year. Oh, we don't need it. We can just, you know, implement what they're saying to do and also be spirit-led. You can't do it. They don't mix. They don't mix. It would be like me giving you a cup of water and then telling you there's only three drops of poison in it. Would you drink that water? If I told you, you know, it's 95% clean water, but there's 5% poison in the water. No, because that small amount of poison ruins the whole thing. That's a biblical concept. Either you're 100% set apart to God and holy and pure and able and ready for every good work, or you pollute yourself to the point where God can't use you and his spirit no longer can strive with you. And that's how you lose the anointing. How to lose the anointing in one year. You quench the spirit by going into a worldly system and falling in love with the world. I want to end this podcast by ending on a high note, a positive note, because I don't want you to think that I'm coming off negative or that I'm bitter or angry. I have a righteous anger, yes, but I'm not angry at anybody. I want the best for you. I, I would love if by the end of this year, the church turned back to the Holy Ghost and lifted all these restrictions and just went full force into the spirit and did what they were called to do. I would be, no one would be more in approval and more happy if that happened. I'm not happy that people are doing this. But one thing I understand is that if you're one of the only people that will stand, God will use you just because he doesn't have any other options but you. And I want people to turn back. The reason I'm on here doing this episode is because I want people to turn back to the Holy Ghost and turn back to power and not quench the Holy Spirit. I want people to understand their authority again and turn back to the doctrines of the Bible to start fulfilling the Great Commission again, to understand that Mark 16, 15 is not something that died. It's something that is still active and is expected of the believer. But I want you to go to Psalms, Psalm 1 because I want to end this podcast on a high note. 
I gave you some reasons and some life lessons from the life of King Saul and the life of Samson of how you can lose the anointing. But I'm going to go to Psalm 1 and I'm going to finish with how to never lose the anointing. How to never lose the anointing. Psalm 1 verse 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. How do you never lose the anointing? Number one, you stand by the word. Number two, you keep it ever before your eyes. Number three, you separate from the mockers and the sinners and the people of the world that are trying to drag you down to be like them. Blessed is the man who walks not. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. How to never lose the anointing. You stand by the word. You separate unto holy things. You don't listen to the wisdom of the world. You don't listen to the mockers and the scoffers and all the people that are saying that this gospel doesn't work anymore, that divine healing doesn't mean actually this. And, you know, Jesus was actually referring to this spiritual healing and not physical healing. All the people that would try to make you backtrack and leave behind the doctrines of the New Testament and what Jesus gave us the authority to be and to do. All the people that mock the Holy Ghost and mock speaking in tongues and mock being slain in the Spirit. All the people that mock God and hate God. You reject that and you separate yourself from that and you delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate upon the law of the Lord day and night. How to never lose the anointing. You stand by the word and you keep it ever before your eyes. That no longer what's on the news, no longer what's going on around you, no matter what you see with your natural eye, you stand on the word of God and you know it to be true by your spirit and you're not swayed by the mockers and the scoffers and the liars and all the people that are trying to make you backtrack on what you know God can do and what you understand by the Bible you're called to do and you're empowered to do. You stand by the word and you keep it ever before your eyes. Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Hallelujah. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. How to never lose the anointing. You stand by the word and you meditate upon the law day and night. You keep it ever before your eyes. Then you shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water. You, you, you will yield your fruit in every season. Your leaf will not wither. And in all that you do, you shall prosper. Hallelujah. 
But the Bible goes on to say the wicked are not so. But they are like the chaff. They are like the useless part that the wind drives away. I choose to be a righteous person. I choose to be someone that doesn't sit in the seat of the world, but separates to the word of the Lord. And because of that, I will be prosperous in every season. My leaf will not wither. And in everything I do, I shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to turn to Joshua chapter one. I feel to go here spur of the moment to close the episode today. I hope this has helped you. Before I read this, I want you to know again, I'm not coming at this from a negative point of view or that I'm against you. I'm for you. I want this to be the best year you've ever had, that no matter how the first nine months of the year have gone, these final three months of the year will be the best three months you've ever had, that whatever the devil did to try to discourage you and take from you and steal from you in the first nine months, God will restore to the point where you won't even remember the previous nine months because of how good these last three months will be. Because you'll make a decision to stand by the word, to speak by faith what the word says you can have, and you don't sit in the seat of the world, you don't listen to the report of CNN or Fox News or whatever organization wants to fill your mind with lies and doubt and fear, but you choose to live by the word of the Lord and you see it come to pass in your life. That's what I want for you. That's why I get on this podcast every time I can because I believe in you and I know that you have a great future in the Lord, that the Lord has plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. God wants this year to be the best year you've ever had. You don't have to wait till 2021. You can walk in the fullness and the goodness of God right now, today, if you make a decision to meditate upon the law of the Lord and keep it ever before your eyes. I want you to know that before we go to Joshua chapter 1. Because I felt led to share the word of the Lord that God spoke to Joshua when he was taking the place of Moses to be the leader of Israel. Let's listen to this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that you may have good success wherever you go. This is the part I want to get into. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Hallelujah. But you shall meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written within it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then, hallelujah, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How to not lose the anointing? Meditate upon the word day and night. Never allow it to depart from your eyes. Let it always be the meditation of your heart. Let it always be the confession upon your mouth. Then you shall have great success and then you shall be prosperous in all that you do. Hallelujah. Meditate upon God's word today. Make a decision that you're not going backwards because the world's going backwards. You're going forward because faith always moves forward. You're making a decision today to obey God rather than to obey man. That you understand from the Bible that the wisdom of man is foolishness unto God and the wisdom of God is foolishness unto men. They can mock you. They can make fun of you. They can call you a radical. They can call you someone that's taken it too far. They can unfollow you on your Instagram. They can block you. They can do whatever they want to do. But you have made a decision to understand that the word of God has not changed. That the Bible says in John 1 verse 1, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, that Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh that dwelt among us, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to understand, my friends, that the word has never changed and will never change. That every word from that Bible, that word that was spoken to Joshua in chapter, Joshua 1 and Psalm 1, that word that was spoken about you, that word is true and alive and active and can make a difference in your life. That as you make a decision to reject the word of the world and embrace and accept the word, of God, your life will never be the same, that your leaf will never wither, and in everything you do, you shall prosper, that you're not going to turn to the left, you're not going to turn to the right, but you're going to embrace the word of the Lord, and it will make all of the difference in your life. You're not going to lose the anointing, but you're going to grow in power and in the power of the Holy Ghost as you understand by the word that you acquire faith by believing what God said and not believing the report of man. I want to finish with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I say this verse almost on every single broadcast, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to God, must believe that one, he is, and two, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Make a decision today that you're going to please God by being someone who lives by faith, that you understand 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
and that you can't be like the world and have the answer for the world. You have to come out from among the world and be separate, be holy, and then God empowers you by his unction of the Holy Ghost to do effectively what you're called to do. And only those who distinguish themselves by faith can change the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you transform your mind? You are transformed, you transform your mind by the renewing of your mind, which comes from the washing of the water of the Word of God. And that today is why you go on a podcast like this and listen for an hour. Because you understand that you can only renew your mind by the word of God that's preached in faith. And that's the decision you're going to make today. That you're not going to lose the anointing, but your anointing is getting stronger as your faith increases, as you put the word of God ever before your eyes and you meditate upon it day and night. And then you shall have great success and you shall be prosperous in all that you do. Your best days are ahead of you. These final three months of the year will be the best three months that you've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to sign off here today, but if you feel led to partner with the ministry as we're traveling and taking the gospel to people in a time where a lot of places have shut down and not a lot of people are ministering, I want you to know that we're going out and we're laying hands on the sick. We're seeing people receive miracles, people getting saved. Things are happening. And if you feel led after listening to this message today to partner with the ministry, I want to encourage you to go to PrestonShuttlesworth.com and hit the giving tab and partner with our ministry at $50 a month or whatever you feel led to give. I understand the Bible says that no one should give under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. But if you feel led today to partner with the ministry as I take the gospel to my generation and we see miracles and salvations, I want you to consider going to the website, which is in the bio of my social media account on Instagram, and partnering with the ministry. This is a good ground to sow in as we're going out and we're an active ministry. We haven't shut down. I've actually launched the ministry this year and not closed it down. And obviously... We're not exactly shaking the world yet, but we're starting and we're doing something by faith. And the Bible says you should despise not the day of small beginnings because small beginnings are only a day. Eventually, God will grow you as you believe in him and as he multiplies you according to your faith. And so if you feel led to stand with me and help me push the gospel and get the gospel to people that have never heard it, I want to encourage you to go to PrestonShuttlesworth.com, my name.com. And uh, find the giving tab on there and partner with the ministry. And before I go, I just want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for all of my friends that decided to turn on the podcast and listen to the end. I thank you, Father, that their anointing is not diminishing or shrinking or being taken away. But their anointing is getting stronger as they make a decision to live by your word and allow it to be the meditation upon their heart and before their eyes and in their ears. I thank you, God, for the faith that comes into their life by the reading and the believing of your word and that they understand that they are empowered to do everything that you've given them to do. Father, I thank you for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that these final three months of the year will surpass and supersede anything the devil did in the previous nine months. I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. 
I want to thank you again for listening to, to this podcast. And again, if you feel led to partner with the ministry, head to PresentShuttlesworth.com. And I want you to know before I go that I love you, God loves you, and I'll talk to you soon.